If you can, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Today we're reading Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So the son of... Thanks be to God. Thank you, Rebecca. <clears throat> All right. I read a uh, statistic the other day that said um, people who know they're stepping into a sermon about the Sabbath are 25% less likely to take notes. Oh, no, sorry, only the other pastor <laughs> joked in there. Okay, good. Appreciate it. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate that. I'm so excited. I am outrageously excited. This has been a gift and a joy to work on this sermon and, and to prepare it. And so I am beyond pumped, which means I'm probably going to talk fast and you're just going to make fun of me. And that's okay, too, because I love you. Uh, but so I want you to go back in high school. Remember in high school, like at the end of the year, where, you know, the, or maybe kind of halfway through, where they're kind of starting to get the yearbook, the annual ready, and they like send out like all these surveys and they have these like votes, right? And it's the weird ones, like uh, most likely to succeed, which is a terrible thing to put on the shoulders of an 18 or 17 year old because they're going to fail like we all do. And so, but like, like there's all these funny things you have, most friendly, most talented, most spirited, you know, all, all, all kind of things. And so when I think of the Sabbath, like my head, it goes straight towards the Ten Commandments. Like that's the thing that pops up in my head. I mean, it just, that, that's where it goes. I go straight there. For whatever reason, that's where I go. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. That's in Exodus 20. And so it is, uh, that, that's where my head goes. When I hear the word Sabbath, that's what I think of. And then so, but here's what I mean when I was talking about all those little voting kind of things that you have in high school. Like if, if there was to be a vote, like those kinds of questionnaire votes for the Ten Commandments, like I, here, here's how I think that would go. So if we did the Third Commandment, which is that you should not take the Lord your God's name in vain, I think that one would be voted uh, most likely to be completely misunderstood. Like, like th that's kind of the realm of where we're going. Thanks, Derek, man. No one else is. I mean, you guys take some notes. Okay. But like, but I just, that, it's, it's crazy because here's what happens. Uh, pretty much what we view is we nail that entire commandment if and when we re-break our pinky toe on the kitchen island and you don't say GD. Like that, that, we feel like we just upheld that commandment in that moment. Like that's what happens. I didn't cuss. I didn't cuss. I'm bleeding, but I didn't cuss. Like, fulfill the third commandment, right? Not even close. Like, not even close. I, it's just so interesting. That, 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 I feel like that's when, how that would be voted. And so, um, but today, as we're looking at Sabbath, here's how I think uh, the commandment uh, to remember and keep the Sabbath would be voted. I think it would be voted most needed to be heard by our culture today. Amen. Of the Ten Commandments, I think that that would be how it's voted. Most needed to be heard by our culture today. And mainly because our culture is just so busy. It's just insane. It's completely out of control. The cultural air that we breathe is hurry, 
and it's business. It's work, 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 work. It's accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. It's never stop. Uh, I was just listening to a podcast the other day on Wondery um, about Microsoft and Bill Gates. Really incredible story. I did a great job of storytelling. But he mentions in there, Bill Gates mentions in there, that he didn't take a day off in his entire 20s. That's a dadgum decade. I want a decade off. And this dude is like, he, that's his claim. I don't know if it's true, but that's what he said in an interview. He didn't take a day off in his, in, 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 throughout his whole 20s. And here's what's crazy about that. Our culture applauds that. Oh, man, look at you. Look at all the stuff you did. Look at what got moved forward. Look at all those things. It, it, I just create it as if it's something to be celebrated. And here's the, here's the lie there, because it's almost as if if God were to see that, he would stand up and say, now that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I've been waiting for that. That's now the expectation. That's what I've been expecting out of you. Bleed yourself dry. Never stop. Never stop. That's it. And that's just so not true. It's just so not true. We have a culture that is, so go, 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 hustle on a hustle with like a side gig to make it kind of thing, and it never stops, and it never slows down, and, and never stops to enjoy the grace of God given to you in your life. And I just found this little small little tidbit interesting. In uh, the Mandarin language, they have two symbols to uh, how they would explain business. They have two symbols. The first symbol is heart. The second symbol is killing. Heart killing is their word for busyness. And I just love how dead accurate that is. I just love that. I think it's insightful, accurate, and wait for it, completely biblical. Uh, our culture celebrates this. And here's the problem. Uh, I think doing that whole little heartbreaking thing, uh, they're on to something that recognizes busyness as something that has a way to do deep, deep damage to the human soul. And yet we are tattooing it on our foreheads as a medal of honor. But our culture says that. Yeah, way to go. We never see you stopping. Look at all the stuff you've done. Never mind what you had to give up to give there. Never mind your spouse or kids you haven't seen in a decade. And I'm not trying to over-centralize this moment. I'm really not. I, at the same time, I'm not trying to exaggerate it or make it bigger than it is uh, in our cultural climate. I just think this is a massive issue. And Scripture tells this of us. And I think if we're honest, all of us will say, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of a slave to that. And so busyness and rush and hurry are so prevalent in our lives that it's almost like God has to even open up our eyes to even see it. It's become a blind spot because we live in it every day. It's become so invasive. And so here we are, you and I living in this culture, we're living on this crazy train off the rails, breakneck pace of life, and God wants to look at you and me and everyone and say, hey, would you stop? Would you stop and open up your hands so I can give you this gift of Sabbath? Would you please take this and take it to heart in your life? Would you do that? Now that right there is a good, good father looking at his children and asking them to take the gift that he has already prepared for them, a gift called Sabbath. That's what we're looking at today. We're looking at God's designed rhythm for you and I to live. We're supposed to arrange our life around it. And the, the, the deepest scare here is that most, if not all of us, have completely stiff-armed this area. So uh, biblical Sabbath, let's just jump into it, kind of the Sabbath defined. Biblical Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, 
We enjoy rest, we practice delight, and we contemplate God. Stop work, enjoy rest, and we practice delight, contemplate God. The traditional Jewish Sabbath uh, begins at sundown on Friday, and it ends on sundown on Saturday. And in most Christian traditions, though, a Sabbath has been observed on on a Sunday. Uh, The Apostle Paul, though, uh, considered one day of Sabbath as good as any other, citing Romans 14, 1 through 17. And so really, the particular day of the week uh, doesn't really matter. What matters is to set aside a 24-hour period and protect it with your life. So I want you real quick to just view God as a parent. Shouldn't be too hard because he is. Uh, But I want you to imagine God having a conversation that you or I might have, uh, giving some wisdom to your kid before they go off on their own. So this this is God like having that quiet, gentle, but very serious plea for their child to remember something. So please, please, please remember this. With all the things that you have going on, keep this in front of you. Make it important because you need it. I have made this gift of Sabbath for you, and it is very good for you. Now, Sabbath is another word for rest. It's another word for rest. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember the rest day. Remember to keep it holy. When we say holy, here's what we mean when we say that. We mean to set it apart, make it distinctly different from the other ones, from the others, that you would treat this day unlike any of the others. It, it should be set apart. This one is a holy day, not like the rest. Six days, this one day is different. I want to read real quick through uh, just the actual commandment here in Exodus 20. So this is Exodus 20, 8 through 11. You're welcome to just view it on the screen. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now I want you to look at this rhythm. I want you to pay attention to the way in the design that God has done this. This is a one day in seven where you stop doing and you remember and contemplate the doing of God for you. You stop doing and you remember and you contemplate the work that God is doing for you. It's an invitation to live in the same rhythm that not only God gave us, but he exampled himself. This, the one day where you get to play and pray. This is the one day where you get to re-engage with God. This is the one day where you get get to rest and you get to worship. It's the one day where you lay down all of your production, where you remind yourself that you're not a human doing, you're a human being. I know it's corny, but it's so true. So stop your doing. God's saying, stop your doing. You enjoy me and my perfect gifts that I've already given to you. Look at how, though, here in this, in this little section we just read Scripture, look at how he ends the section. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, look at how this directs you. When you read this, look at how this directs you to the first two chapters of the Bible. It goes right back to the creation story. We have this whole creation story laid out in front of us, and there are two small things here that I want to point out to you guys I want, y'all to, mention, or want to mention so y'all remember. Now, now, if and when 
you're reading the first parts of Genesis. And let's say, uh, as you might, you're reading that in the English language. Well done, you. Uh, but as most of us are. You would probably read the first two chapters of Genesis, and you would think, hey, this reads kind of like a story. There's a main character, God. He's doing things. He's creating stuff. There are things that are being created. There's a, there's a whole little mini plot going on there. You see it kind of play out that way. But here's the, here's the interesting part. If you were to read that same section of Scripture, uh, but you were to read it in the original Hebrew, it wouldn't read like a story. It would read like poetry. Written in Hebrew, the, the first sections of the Bible read like poetry. There's a, there's a cadence to them. There's a beat to them. There's some rhyming to them even. And this is what we see in Genesis 1 and 2. And here's what's interesting, because our Father is inviting you and me to step into and experience this rhythm that he has for us, to protect its place on our schedule and in our hearts. He's saying, come into this way of living. Jump into the rhythm. Stay here with me. Get inside this cadence. Fall in step with it. Order your life around these boundaries. Now, we're mostly familiar we're mostly familiar with the first parts of the creation narrative. Uh, God finishes making all creation, and then afterwards he rests. And just really quickly, God doesn't rest because he's exhausted. He rests because it's good to rest. And uh, here's the first part of this part that I just want to point out to you. There's two little parts to it. Here, you and I and all that exist were created to live and thrive in a rhythm that God designed. This is just basic designs. You and I and all that exists were created to live and thrive in a rhythm that God also designed. Now, the reason I don't want to spend so much time on this, although we could do this forever, like we could just look at the day. We have day and we have night. We have seasons. Like there is a very obvious rhythm to designed life. It's just how it works. You and I have sleep patterns. We have awake patterns. We have rest. We have work. There's a rhythm that life is meant to be lived by. So you and I and all that exist are created to live and thrive in a rhythm that God also designs. And here's the second one. The Sabbath day is preloaded with blessings for you. When God at the end said, and he blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy, that day became preloaded with blessings for you and I to experience. God's taken that day. And he said, I'm going to pour out blessings onto that day so much, in fact, that any of my people who take up that day will be inundated with blessings. Blessings are going to break out in their life when they follow my Sabbath. Now, who wants to miss out on that? I don't. Raise your hand if you are receiving too many blessings in life right now. What are you doing? And Share your wisdoms. Like, I mean, no one's going to pass on that. I want that. Okay, so I used an illustration a long time ago, uh, working on the Sabbath, and uh, I think it works well enough to explain things, and so I'm going to use this illustration again, and so I just want to, real quick, we're going to talk a little bit about music, um, and specifically, we're just talking about rhythm, just rhythm. Now, now there's really three categories of rhythm, okay? There's three categories of people when when it comes to rhythm. Those who have it, you know these people instantly. If you don't have it, you're usually instantly jealous or mildly frustrated. Okay, so there's the first one is that those who have it. Second category is those who don't have it. You know this person because this is the person that you whisper to and say, hey, can you stop dancing? You're making everyone who can see you uncomfortable. I just need to go. I, I, I can't even. Like, you, it's that person. Now, maybe that person 
is in this third category as well. This is the person that doesn't have rhythm, but thinks they do. And these people are my favorite people on the planet. I assume you guys enjoy these people as well. These are the people who are completely obliv- oblivious. Like they're just, there's like, it's things and it's, and in their head, it's like a dadgum ballet. And you're like, that, that's, that's, that's got to stop. I can't even be here. Like, are you one of those people who like gets embarrassed for someone else, even though you have no relationship to them? Yes. Like, I will just like, I have to get up and leave a room. Like I could never do the whole American Idol thing. I just could do it anyways. And so, but like, you've got these kind of categories. And so, uh, here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to illustrate this really quick. This just, just about rhythm. And so, uh, this over here is the drum set. Do you guys know that? It's called a drum set. Yeah, and I'm going to have a lovely helper here today. Hello. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, this is uh, Jeff Brennan, uh, formerly Jeff Brennan in, in the flannels. Uh, he's going to help us out today. If you were here for our Christmas Eve service, you'd get that joke. Uh, anyways, um, but so Jeff is going to help me um, uh, illustrate something, something to you guys today. Uh, we haven't had a good object lesson in a while, so let's just, let's just jump in. Now, here's what I know. Uh, rhythm is this. Rhythm is knowing when to play and when there needs to be a rest. That's what I know about rhythm. Now, to play the drums well, uh, you have to know when to bang this thing over here, when to hit this one, when to stomp on this, how hard, hard lightly, uh, kick this, smash this, don't scream, whatever. Like, uh, there's so many things that you have to figure out what to do in the right time. And so um, we're going to give you two examples. So Jeff's going to illustrate two examples. The first one that we're going to example for you is one that does not follow a pattern of rhythm. Jeff, we're all ears. Oh, <laughs> lovely, huh? That right there, that'll get you absolutely nowhere. Because that's not music, that's noise. Now, Jeff's an amazing drummer, so we know we can, we're not making fun of him. But like, that's not music. And so here's the thing. What makes noise into music is when we know there needs to be a rest here and when there needs to be a play here. That's what turns something that could just sound like noise into something that sounds like music. Now, let me just introduce you to rhythm real quick. Skip a dance, skip a dance. See, you're moving too. You're moving because it wasn't just noise. It wasn't just noise. Can you guys just thank Jeff for being willing to be in a silly, simple, but I think very accurate illustration for us? But like, it, here's the crazy thing. I think we can all tell the difference between noise and music. Right? We're, we're not doing honors calculus here, even though it's in a different category. But I mean, just saying, like, it's simple. We can tell. We can tell the difference. The main difference between what Jeff did on the first one and on the second one is rhythm itself. It's knowing when to be on and when to be off. It's knowing when to play and when not to, when to start and when to stop. And the truth is, many of our lives, many of your lives, they are much more noise than they are music. And here's what Sabbath is trying to drill into every one of our hearts and heads this morning. This question, what does your life sound like? What does your life sound like? Does your life sound like noise or does it sound like music? Now, I'm sorry, everyone in here, but you have to answer this question. Yeah, not out loud, but like you have to answer this question. Look at your last week. Look at your last month, your last year. 
and answer that question. When I look back, does my life say that sounds like noise or that sounds like music? Is there a rhythm to your life or is it just a bunch of white noise with this never-ending, never-rhythmic, random execution of stuff and things and work? Does your life show that you know when to play and when to rest? Your life is either noise or music. And see, when it is music, when your life is music, you're walking into a way of life that God has created for you to be in. A designed and prepared way. It's never going to get better than when you're doing things the way that God intends, designs, and commands us to do. And so, but when you lose your rhythm and it turns into that jumbled mess of white noise that many of your lives may be right now. Uh, and let me, just, uh, let me just phrase this whole thing differently because I, I like the way this question works. Uh, here's a better way to kind of assess this. Like, is your life in need of a day of rest once every six days? Just think of that question. Is your life in need of a day of rest once every six days? Does your life show that you need a day to stop, to sit, to pray, to worship, to play, to draw nearer to God and think on and thank Him for the infinite blessings of grace that God has worked to give you? Does your life need a day of rest every six days? Now, here's the problem. Here's, here's the, the challenge, the hurdle that's kind of in front of us when we start thinking along these terms. And here, here's what I think happens. Um, I, here's what many of us are experiencing from many different angles of approach in our culture today. It, it's this lie that has just ingrained itself into our very, very thoughts, and it's there, and we have to kill it. And here it is, that your value is tied into your work. Kids catch this from a super early age that their worth is tied directly to their work. And if that's the case, here's what the world says. Keep, keep doing, keep going, keep accomplishing things more and more and more. If you get tired, suck it up and keep going. Don't stop, don't rest, because if you do, you're going to lose. Keep going. We've got this thing, we've got it on this night, sports thing, this recital, this lessons. Go to do your work, go do your chores, and do them all better than everyone else, because... Your worth is tied to your work. And if you don't do those things, you're going to lose. This is the culture, by the way, that is us. We're not exempt from this. I would say the majority of the conversations that I would just throw in Pastor Derek with me as well that we have, uh, this pops up all the time. It pops up in conversations with ourselves and with you guys as well. It, this is prevalent and pervasive and here's what God is saying. Here's what God is saying to this ideology of this culture. When you conform to a sick culture, it doesn't make you normal. It makes you really sick. This is the breath and the line of our culture. More, 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 work, 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 accomplish, 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 the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Don't stop, don't ever stop, don't ever stop. And that is a sick culture. And when you and I conform to that, we don't become normal, we become sick. And we need God's gift of the Sabbath to bring sanity through his rhythm in our lives. God is trying to tell you that he doesn't want your life to be noise. 
He wants it to be music. So we're going to talk through uh, these purposes of this. If we have a pretty good understanding of what the Sabbath is there, this next section is going to look at what two different purposes of Sabbath are. And so let's talk about those. Uh, why? Why is it that God is giving us this command, this command to remember and keep the Sabbath? Uh, so we're going to read through uh, Mark 2, 23, 28. We just uh, read through this. We had Rebecca read this for us. This is our primary text for this message because its implications are foundational in understanding how you and I interact with Sabbath today. And so uh, it'll be up there, but I'm just going to kind of do a a paraphrase and a gloss over. So here's what's going on. Jesus and his disciples, they're walking through this field. As they're walking, it's on the Sabbath day. As they're walking, some of the disciples start to snap off the heads of the grain that are in the fields that they're in. Now, the Pharisees, which have pretty much been doing the whole poking their eyeballs above the fence so they can catch you doing something you're not supposed to be doing maneuver, are doing that. And they see the disciples and they're like, we got them. So they engage. They go up to Jesus and they say, look, hey, why are your people doing what they're not supposed to be doing on the Sabbath? You just broke the law. We got you. You're out. And so Jesus enters into this, like, this dialogue, and he tells them this story of David and how David went into the temple and, and technically broke one of their rules that falls in line with, with keeping the Sabbath and what not to do and what to do. And so uh, they have no way to respond. And so uh, at the end of it, here's how he ends this. He says, essentially than this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So here's what's going on here. The Pharisees thought that man was made for the Sabbath keeping. Now, if that's the case, then here's what happens. The Sabbath becomes, the Sabbath becomes this massive burden for everyone. There's all these lists of things that you can do and that you can't do. It was crazy. And Jesus is clarifying here, and you and I, we definitely find this freedom in Jesus. Jesus perfectly fulfilled all of our Sabbath keeping. I just need you to hear that. That's a very important line. Jesus fulfilled the commandment to keep the Sabbath. We are now able to find freedom in this Sabbath. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. So therefore, here's the deal about Sabbath. It is and never was meant to be a burden on the people. It was meant to be a blessing to the people of God. And when you engage in Sabbath, you will find yourself engulfed in all of those preloaded blessings that God has already blessed the day with. It was meant to be a blessing to enjoy So uh, now with that, let's work through uh, these two purposes. And we could talk about a whole bunch of these, and it is a fascinating study. Uh, But I just want to look at two. So here they are. Here's here's the first one. Uh, The first one is that the Sabbath, this is the purpose of the Sabbath, the Sabbath tunes us into God. The Sabbath has a a, a very unique way of doing this, of tuning us into the very voice of God. In 1 Kings 19, uh, there's this story of Elijah, and he's, he's, he's trying to hear the voice of God. And so there's this series of things happen. And so all of a sudden, there's this massive wind that comes through. It's roaring, and it's strong. It's blowing stuff over. But in this huge, big, loud noise, Elijah does not hear the voice of God. Now, move down a little bit more, and there's an earthquake. So an earthquake comes, and it's destroying, and it's destruction, and everything is crumbling down, and all the good things. But Elijah does not hear the voice of God in, in this earthquake. Then the next one is this huge fire. It engulfs and inflames and takes out all this stuff that it, that, that it touches But even in this huge big fire, this huge noise of a fire, he doesn't hear the voice of God. And then finally, Elijah hears what he calls the still, small voice of God. 
Do you know how many of us are going to hear God? It's going to be through a still, small voice from Him. It's not going to be yelling or screaming. It's going to be down here like this, the still, small voice of God. And do you know why? Do you know why we don't hear the still, small voice of God right now? It's hurry. It's hurry. The white noise of hurry in our lives is turned up so loud that we just can't hear it. We just can't. It drowns the whole thing out. I was in a men's study uh, over John 15, since we're in our series Abide. Uh, this is a w- quite a long time ago. And in, in our training meetings, one of the guys asked a question of the guy who was the leader, and he says, hey, like, what do you think like, the number one obstacle is to abiding in Jesus? And his answer was hurry. It was busyness. That white noise getting turned up so loud. And so if I were to ask you guys this question this morning, uh, when was the last time that you actually felt like you heard from the Lord? You opened your Bible, God spoke to you in some way. When's the last time that happened to you? I'm assuming, uh, I'm assuming that uh, for most of us in the the room, uh, that probably goes back a long time. And here's the thing, the reason for that is not because God's voice isn't active in your life. The reason is because we are just so hurried in our soul that we can't hear it. And Sabbath tunes us into that. Sabbath makes that apparent and clear, that we can calm down long enough to hear that still, small voice of God speaking to us. How many of us could use that? I could use that. I can't think of a a, a version of this where I wouldn't say, yes, I want that. So the Sabbath tunes us into God. The second one here is that the Sabbath tunes us into the life-giving purposes of God. Listen to how uh, Mark Buchanan, now Mark Buchanan wrote a book called The Rest of God on the Sabbath, The Rest of God of God. Play on words. I thought it was clever. Anyways, uh, a book I highly recommend for you to invest your time in. Really well written, super informational. But listen to how he talks about the Sabbath, and particularly with this little section we're talking about. One measure for whether or not you are rested enough is to ask yourself this question. How much do I care about the things I care about? Now ask yourself the question. How much do I actually care about the things that I say I care about. So look at your life right now and ask that question, are you really caring about those things that you care about? One of the ways that you know that you have a Sabbath heart is that you care about those things that you care about. And I'm going to get to that. I know it's a little bit of a funny wordplay. But here's the thing. When we lose care of people, both the lost and the found, When we lose concern for the bride of Christ, for friendships and friendship in general, for truth, for beauty and goodness, when we cease to laugh when our children laugh and instead yell at them to quiet down, or weep when our spouses weep and instead would wish that they wouldn't get so emotional, when we hear news of of some trouble among one of our neighbors and your first thought is, oh God, I hope it doesn't involve us. When there's that clear ministry opportunity in front of you and, and you're like, please don't, please God don't get me involved in that. You know what I mean there? 
I think you do. I think we do this. I do this. It's okay. When we stop caring about the things that we care about, that is a signal that we are too busy with things that we ought not be busy with. And one of the things that the Sabbath gives to us, one in seven days, this is a six-on, one-off rhythm where we can slow down our souls long enough so that we can keep caring about these things that we should caring about. Now, real quick, let me just apply this to myself. It'll probably put some handlebars on what we're talking about. Now, God has given me a, a wife, and I absolutely adore that, and I'm so thankful for that. But, and other than loving Jesus, uh, it is probably the most important thing to do with my life is to love her. Uh, and I care about that. I care about that deeply. But here's the thing. Whenever I get into a hurried state in my soul, uh, you know what happens? I stop caring about the things I should care about. I begin to care about things that I don't care about way more than I do for the things that I do. And let me just look at you and say to myself and to all of you, that's not good. That's not good at all. God has given me a gift in my wife so grand that I should be saying so that I can care for her things like, how can I communicate with her daily and weekly on a deep and meaningful level? How, how can I care for her needs? How can I show her my deep and abiding love for her? Man, I don't want to miss out on that. When I get down the road, I want to look back and say, I cared about the things that I cared about. Like, I want to be able to say that. I want to be able to do that. And Sabbath is meant to help us care about those things. Listen to a quote by C.S. Lewis. Um, if you can't tell by the number of quotes I have, I really enjoyed studying for this sermon. C.S. Lewis had such a well-known comment about this. He said, uh, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Now, it's hard to get around that. If that's a truth statement, that's just pretty straightforward as it gets. But the truth for many of us here in this room, uh, keeping that quote in mind, is that life is passing you and I by at lightning speed right now. And you're not investing your life in the ways that God says to invest them. And I know that's a hard comment, but it's a true comment. I have to own that for myself. The most important things are passing us by right now, and we don't even know about it. And God is saying, I have gifted you the Sabbath so that you would know that and care for the things that matter the most. Now, I intentionally uh, designed uh, this message today so that we can uh, end the message on a whole bunch of practicality because when we talk about Sabbath, people are like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. You've said that word like 1,700 times already, and I'm, I'm still kind of clueless. Don't worry, we're going to talk about it. And so that's kind of where we're going to move in this direction. We're going to take what the Sabbath is, the purposes of that Sabbath, and now we're going to move those into a practical next step to help you and I start taking steps to remembering the Sabbath in our lives. So uh, let's, let's move towards some practical suggestions here. The first thing that I do want to say that I feel is very necessary to say is that um, for keeping the Sabbath, uh, it actually begins on a daily rotation, not just a weekly rotation. And here's what I mean. Uh, yes, that Sabbath rhythm that we just talked about is the six days of work and one day of rest. However, I believe that the Sabbath heart which is the point of that commandment and the heart of that commandment has to be pursued daily. And here's one way that that can be pursued daily and you're not going to like what I'm about to say. Let's say it. You need to get adequate sleep. 
You really do. <laughs> I know I do. I do not want to belabor this. I don't want to over-exaggerate. But I believe that this is such a huge problem for us that if we don't talk about it, we're kind of just wasting our time. And it really doesn't get much more practical than this. Here's the thing. The average person right now, this is what, you know, this study changes every 13 minutes, but just go with me. So the average person right now needs seven to nine hours of sleep each night. That is about one-third. Let's just take it in the eight category. That's easier. Uh, That's one-third of every day that God has designed for you to be resting. When you think about it, you put in one portion of rest, you get two portions of play. That's actually not a bad gig. I'm just saying. We're trying to squeeze every last little minute out of that sucker, but that's really not bad. But God has wired us to work that way. Now, current statistics say that very few of you in this room get seven to nine hours of sleep each night. Currently, it's much more closer to five to six hours of sleep each night. Okay, now I just want you to look at me in the eye real quick. We're going to get this part over with. Here we go. You ready? That's a problem. It's a really big problem. And we've done it for so long, and we've gotten good at it, and now we've trained ourselves and we're comfortable with it, that we don't even know it's a problem. We're like, this is life. No, this is a problem. God is not looking at you and applauding you for burning the candle on both ends. He's not. Rather, as the good dad, God is looking at you and he's saying, hey, let me correct this in you. This is not going to be good for you. Please don't do this. You're going to wreck your life if you keep this up. Now, when you think about sleep, it truly is an act of humility. I don't really think too deeply about this, but doing this sermon, it kind of really made me do think about it. Like when you close your eyes, knowing that you're about to drift off, let's say we're getting a clean eight, a tight eight hours, we'll say, you are truly trusting God with eight hours of your life that you are going to slip into a state of unconsciousness and somehow, in his design and providence, he's going to wake you up and you're going to still be breathing. That kind of trips me out. You're welcome. If you didn't have anxiety, you might start, start now. It's a, it's, a, it's a great place to start. It's a safe place. But truly, what an act of humility. It's an act of faith to sleep. It really is. So to just listen to this line, to get in bed at the appropriate time is a spiritual discipline. And it is a spiritual discipline that many of you, myself included, need to grow in. And so let me just ask the question, what is robbing many of you from the restful sleep that you need? It's things that are not fruitful. It's that last hour of TV. It's that one more full season. (laughs) I mean, we've all been there. Just one more season, honey, it'll be great. It's pursuing and perusing through social media with no reason. We have to call it what it is. We have to make a change in our life so that we can actually get the appropriate amount of sleep for our life. There was a quote uh, by D.A. Carson. D.A. Carson is one of the foremost theologians in the world right now. Put him in the top of your class kind of category. And uh, he was doing a message on doubt, preaching a sermon on doubt. And in there, he made this comment where he, uh, this is the the Brandon paraphrase version, but like where he equated uh, a moral obligation getting your sleep. And he brought the whole idea of sleeping well into one of the greatest, best, and practical things that you can do for your spiritual health. And um, 
after listening to that sermon, I was very frustrated because it was true. And um, I just thought that was amazing. We have to call this what it is, and we have to make a change for life so that we can actually get the appropriate amount of sleep. Now, if you don't do that, there, there is going to be a payout that is not going to be good no matter what. So just hear that truth statement. Whatever you think you're gaining by not getting sleep, you are actually losing because you're filling that stuff in with crap. That doesn't matter. It's worthless. It's stiff-arming you from getting the sleep that you need, the rest that God has designed your body to have. So, um, sorry, I moved a few things around. So getting adequate sleep, that's the first one. Now, the second one here is this, that you need and we need to plan for a Sabbath. I know this sounds like super obvious, but let me just tell you, if you don't do this, it will never happen. You are never going to accidentally stumble into a Sabbath day. Oh my goodness, I just woke up. I have no work to do today. How strange is that? I'll just spend four hours of prayer now. Oh, I'll just think I'll take a nap. You're not, you're not, no, no, we all know this. If you don't pick a day, if you don't schedule it and put it on your calendar, you will never do it. Because if there's one thing we know, that stuff has a way of violently invading your life. It just does. I mean, if you have some free space, something's going to fill that spot. And you probably won't like it. You've got to actually plan a day. Now, just look real quickly. Uh, when I look at church history, uh, meaning the post the New Testament church history, uh, Sunday has been the primary day on which Sabbath has mainly been observed. Um, for most of you guys in this room uh, who work a normal job, whatever that is, but meaning just Monday through Friday kind of rhythm. Uh, Saturday, when you have Saturdays and Sundays off, well, then Sunday is more than likely going to be that day that you're going to have the best chance of pulling off a Sabbath. So uh, sundown Saturday uh, to sundown Sunday is going to be like that best option for you to Sabbath. And you're going to have to ruthlessly protect that day and time for Sabbath. You're going to have to start saying no to things that are going to invade that, even good things, even things you like to do, even things that are good for the whole family. You have to start saying no to those kinds of things. For the sake of your soul, you're going to have to protect the Sabbath from things that won't let you Sabbath. Now, if you are ever going to have a Sabbath on that Sunday, you're going to have to make plans for that Sabbath at least on Saturday. I mean it. You have to be intentional about this. This is why we don't do it. I don't want to sit down and plan out two days ahead of time so I don't have to do the work now so that I can rest later. I just want to rest now. You know, When you do that, you're not going to rest. You're just going to goof off and do a whole bunch of stuff. But if you don't take time to plan for that day, meaning doing the work that you know has to be done ahead of time so that on that day of rest, you can rest. If you don't do those things, you're not going to do it. You're just not going to wake up on a Sunday and have a good Sabbath if you haven't planned well for it. So you have to plan... We have to plan for the Sabbath. The third one is this, uh, that you have to practice the Sabbath. I just want to really quickly say you have so much freedom on your day of rest, your Sabbath day. Start from the place of freedom, not the place of, well, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do those kind of things and, oh, I buttoned my pants. Does that work? I mean, you know, I don't know what to do here. And so, like, start in the place of freedom. Because culture is going to look at you guys. I want you to hear me on this. Um, no one else 
No one else in our culture gives a rip if you do your Sabbath. No one cares. Culture is not going to look at you and say, hey, man, are you guys holding on to your Sabbath? Are you taking one day out of the week to just give back to him? Are you doing that? You should really do that. They don't care. They're going to look at you like you're mental, like you're crazy, like you're completely irrelevant, like you're following some old laws of some old book because they're not understanding what the Sabbath is. They're not going to follow by the same rules that the Lord uses. It's just that simple. And so our culture, just prepare yourself now. Our culture does not care if you ever hear the voice of God. So stop caring what culture says about the things that you know to be the most fruitful things you can do to draw nearer and closer to God. Stop caring. Stop giving weight to it. I want you guys to hear me say this. Uh, I'm speaking on behalf of both myself and Pastor Derek here, but uh, I care deeply about that for you. Pastor Derek cares deeply about you getting to have a Sabbath. We care deeply. I want to do all the things that, that we can do here at Trellview, like to help you keep a good, God-honoring Sabbath so that you can have a Sabbath heart. When, when we want to think about how we even structure things that we do here at Trailview, we're a, we're a simple church on purpose, meaning we don't have a bajillion things going on every night of the week. And one of the main reasons that we do that, one of the reasons that we do that is so that you have every ample opportunity to have a good and healthy Sabbath. We really care about this for you. We really want you to start legitimately taking the fourth commandment to keep the Sabbath day seriously because it's the greatest thing that your heart needs right now. Okay, so we're closing things up. We're wrapping things up here. Um, as I'm doing that, I can literally silently hear all the type A's in the room say, you haven't given me anything practical. Tell me what to do or get off the stage. And so for all my lovely type A's, allow me. Uh, when I think of the Sabbath, here, here's, here's a good way to think about it. It comes with two words. It's pray and play. Pray and play. You want to engage with God, and you want to enjoy the good gifts of God. And for most of us in the, in the, in the room, here's what, that, here's what this looks like. We'll just walk through a little mock day. Um, let's say that your Sabbath is on Sunday. You're going to wake up on Sunday. You're going to go to church. You're going to sit with the people of God. You're going to serve the people of God. You're going to worship him. You're going to hear from his word. You're going to be reminded of all the great things that God in his love for you has already done for you. You're going to teach your kids the things that they need to know about God. Being here on Sunday, it is a massively important part of your Sabbath if your Sabbath is on Sundays. Engaging with his people, engaging with his family. So that can just be a part of the pray well aspect of the pray and play. So now when we look at the second part, we look to this play well bit. And here's the great thing. You're going to get to find and do the things that rejuvenate you to the full, fill you up to the brink of refreshment. Now, some of you, some of you need to hear this because we work with permission, but you have 100% permission to take a nap on your Sabbath. I work it in. Like, I plan for that bad boy. When we have our Sabbaths, it's like, and there's going to be a 45-minute window in there where no one's going to say a word to me. I may put noise-canceling headphones on. 
it's going to be a great moment. Like you have 100% guilt-free freedom to take a nap. Now, and here's the thing, you should feel that freedom. So to play well on your Sabbath, you need to think of it in terms like this. So when you're trying to work through the process, think of it in terms like this, fills and drains. Now, Sabbath is a day where you want to play in your fills and you want to avoid your drains. I'm not talking about plumbing. But like, here's the thing. Here's what it could look like. Maybe it's mowing the lawn. Maybe you're one of those weirdos who loves to mow the lawn. I don't know anything about you, but we'll pray for you. But like, if that's just joy bringing to you, my next, my neighbor across the street, he's the happiest he's ever when he's mowing his yard. Working out, maybe you just love working out. Maybe it's just journaling. Maybe it's starting a woodworking project. Maybe it's playing some board games as a family. Maybe it's reading a book. Maybe it's making a good meal for your family to enjoy. Like, like all of those things could be easily in that play version. And fill in the blank. What are the things that bring joy to you? What are the things that fill you up, that bring refreshment, that revitalize? Those are the things that you want to fit into that play column. And play hard. Enjoy that. But you'll have to do that work of figuring out what actually fills your life and what drains it in order to get there. Now, one other thing, and this is a super practical thing, one of the things throughout church history that people have done as they're observing and remembering the Sabbath is something called the Sabbath box. It's changed names over the years, but I think Sabbath box sounds, well, it's still creepy, but I like it. Uh, But like what they would do is they would take the things that connect them to the outside world, things that are connecting them, they would put them in the box for the day of Sabbath. So uh, easily in your head, you're thinking, great, he's going to tell me to put my phone in the box. Put your phone in the box. Take your watch off. Put it in the box. Take your laptop, put it in the box, put your car in the box. I don't care. Put it in the box. If it connects you to the outside world, put it in the box. Remove the things that are drawing you back to into this world of normal culture where we work, 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 work. Those are going to steal you away from resting. Put them in the box. Then what they would do is they would take a piece of paper, they would write on the piece of paper all the things that they are worrying about, the cares and burdens that they have in their life. They would write them on there, and they would put that thing in the box and say a prayer that went something like this, God, I know that you care for me. Because I know that you care for me, I'm going to cease worrying about these things that you care about more than me. Whatever keeps you connected to the outside world, throw it in that box. This will let you slow down long enough for you to breathe in God's good gifts for you, to live in this rhythm of life that God intends for you to live in, better that God commands you to live in because he knows what's best for you so that you can experience life in the way that God truly has intended for you to do so. We, uh, both Pastor Derek and myself, are just going to say up front that there are days where we have crushed a Sabbath. There are days where it did not even happen at all. And you're not going to get an ounce of shame in that. But at the end of this, we're done right here. I just want to say, take your next step forward in observing the Sabbath. And maybe you won't be able to pull that off today. Okay, great. There's, there's, no, there's no worry here. No one's going no to shame you. We're not going to beat you down or anything along, the, along, along those lines. But we want to take steps forward in living in a life rhythm that God has designed for us. Because that's the the rhythm of life that's going to help us find him more clearly, more closely. And give us the rest that our souls so, so deeply, deeply need. Would you guys pray with me?